0: of the House 94 podcast. Tonight, we have a special guest. We have Miss Erica Lewis joining us, and she's going to talk about um, a little variety of topics. I'll get through the bio, and then we can get into the conversation. But Erica Lewis' superpower is in creating spaces of joy. She's a co-founder of the Easy Mo' Breezy LLC, the entertainment company behind Grits and Biscuits, GMB, a 10-year-old nationwide celebration of the Southern experience through DJs, performances, and high-energy down-home hospitality. In addition to her nightlife endeavors, Erica has over 20 years of strategic marketing experience in entertainment, nonprofit, and advertising industries. As a strategic consultant, she's worked with some of the world's top agencies and brands. She formerly served as the vice president of engagement and cultural marketing at Live Nation. Prior to Live Nation, she worked at Viacom and BBDO, where she guided major brands like Nickelodeon and Comedy Central International, and also General Motors and General Electric um, into meaningful connections with key audiences. Erica proudly represents her North Carolina roots. She's a graduate of North Carolina A&T University. As you can see that 1891 proudly displayed there uh, with a the BA communications. Also, she's a Wolverine with the University of Michigan's Ross School of Business with an MBA and completed the Harvard Business School. Business of Entertainment, Media, and Sports Executive Education Program. In her free time, she loves music, live music, uh, most more specifically. College football, which we're about to get engaged with in a little bit tonight for the National Championship. March Madness, one of my favorites. FIFA World Cup, which is something that we're now just starting to kind of get into in America, but she's ahead of the game with that. And of course, taking time out to inspire other people's ideas while building her own, which she's going to help us out with a little bit tonight. So, Erica, welcome to the House for a Podcast. And uh, thank you for coming on tonight.
1: Thank you so much for the invitation. I'm happy to be here.
0: Well, it's a pleasure. It's always nice to get a you know female perspective on here because we got you know all dudes on here, and I get tired of looking at them. They get tired of looking at me, and everybody gets tired of us in general. So it's good to get some different, uh, some good feminine energy in the room. Um, we're gonna have a you know basic conversation about what you do. I mean, do you have anything you want to just kind of start off with, just in general about? you know, your overall experiences. I know I gave the bio, but is there anything I missed or anything we want to highlight first?
1: Um, I don't think you missed anything. Um, yeah. I mean, I like to say that, you know, my entire career has kind of been at this intersection of community and culture. And so, you know, that's what energizes me. That's what drives me. Um, that's how I kind of find my way. And even before business school and working in advertising and corporate marketing. I was doing that in the kind of the nonprofit and space and in the music industry. So yeah, that's kind of me in a nutshell.
0: Sounds like a winner. Hey, we're gonna kick it around the horn. we got several questions for you that uh, we want to kind of help to kick off the conversation. So cool. why don't you start us off? Hey man, again, thank you for being here, but I got a, a, a kind of a two-part question, right? Um, kind of tell, tell me, tell us, tell our audience kind of describe what you do, right? And then, how did what was your path uh, for you to get there to do to, to doing what you're doing right now?
1: Yeah. So, um, yeah, like I said, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of in that space of community and culture, but I've I've done it uh, a lot in the through kind of marketing and creative strategy. So, what that means is really trying to understand it's, it's about branding, right? So, understand right. what are the What does the whatever we're trying to sell or position to an audience like, what does it really stand for? What does it mean? Like, what is the core of its essence in a way that connects? And then also understanding the audience so deeply that you kind of figure out like, what's the insight about this audience that will make them most excited about whatever it is we're trying to market to them? So, um, to me, uh, that can be done in a way that is um, thoughtful and empowering and honest, or it can be done in a way that is corrupt and misleading and, you know, all the other things that we are seeing in society right now uh, on the other side. So um, I find that, uh, I believe that marketing and just kind of building communities uh, can be done in a very thoughtful way. And I think no matter what it is you're you know, your marketing or what it is you're putting out in the world, if you do it from a place of uh, understanding not only of the product, but of the audience in the truest form in a way that you can enhance their lives, um, you can actually make people aware of things that they didn't even know uh, that they needed and and make, you know, and make their lives better in the process. Um, I've been saying this a lot recently, but I think coming out of last year or last summer and, you know, all these the corporate attention that is giving to, given towards uh, diversity and inclusion right now. Uh, I think that oftentimes you see a lot of companies are only approaching diversity and inclusion from an HR perspective, right? And they're hiring people left and right who are super trained and skilled and I applaud them for these hires. But I also think, you know, from a marketing perspective, right? This is how you're going out into the world you need to hire people that are also thinking about how they're going to market to a community with an an equity or an inclusion lens and mindset in play as well, right? Because then what you're marketing actually has value and it's true and it's not as self-serving uh, as it could be, you know, or as sometimes it is. And so um, that's kind of a roundabout way of what I'm saying, of what I do, but I think, um, Yeah, I think there's a lot of value in kind of marketing, and you know, marketing with the lens of equity in the mix, you know, in addition to it. And as far as my path to getting here, yeah, it was completely. Let me stop
0: you for a second. Yeah, please. Can I stop you for a second? I like I like something you said. I wanted to just ask you to expound on that a little bit because you were talking about diversity and inclusion and how that usually manifests itself just in HR, strictly like hiring, right? But it doesn't actually manifest itself in the company doing things to actually engage different communities. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Cause I think we all think about diversity inclusion and just hiring practices, not actually marketing to black people or to people of color or actually having business practices that will benefit others. Is that what you're getting at?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think diversity inclusion is, is not only the recruiting, but then it's also the retention. Right. And, mm-hmm. and then I think if you, because ultimately look, all of the research tells you if you have a more diverse workforce, it will it is good for business, right? Right. And so these companies understand that, and then they go out of their way to hire, you know, a black person in this department and a black person in this department and whatever. But then you often find that, especially in the middle management level, these black employees don't stay, right? Be- they don't because they get on the inside and they don't feel as if they belong or they don't feel as if their voice is being heard or they don't feel as if you know, they really can make change. And so they leave because they're talented and they should leave. But I think that if these companies actually, instead of looking at as as the solution is hiring black people, okay, now we have them and we've checked that box. If you actually look at it from the end consumer, right? What is the best way that I can connect with this audience to build my business? Oh, now I need to have a deeper understanding of that audience. You know what, maybe I need to hire people that look like that audience, right? Then it becomes, it's not just about checking a box and getting them in the door. It's about how do I keep them and how can I listen to them so that we can ultimately build the business and make the business better? Because again, having a diverse workforce increases, you know, the, um, you know, actually is good for business. And, you know, and that's proven. So I think, you know, the great thing about hiring a diversity and inclusion person on the HR side, if they're truly empowered, Is that they those people are trained to teach you how to infuse diversity inclusion throughout the entire organization and not just make it a recruiting checkpoint check you know item and so you've got to have those roles but then those roles have to be empowered and the people and it has to be not just like have the role and come hit it from one direction you got to go bottom up and top down like you, your leadership needs to understand why. Why do we want a diversity and inclusion high, uh, person, right? Um, so yeah, I don't know if that answers your question. No, but, that's huge.
0: I mean, that's yeah. I mean that's, that's something that people don't really think about. Like that's that's the perspective people don't usually think about. And hell, we need to get you teaching in some of these business schools. So you can get the word across.
1: I mean, <laughs> but look, I cut you hey, off. Look. You're
0: talking about your path. I'm sorry. You're cut, no, you're no. But, your but even before I jump to my path, like.
1: I, I'm I'm ready for June, 2021, because in June, 2020, how many co- corporations did we see put a statement out about their support of black lives matter and all the things they were going to do to make a difference. Right. Yep. So yep. when 12, so when we're a year out in June, 2021, we need to go back to every single one of those statements and see what those companies have done. Was it performative for you to make that statement or did you actually mean it? And are you actually making change? And so, you know, not just hire a DNI person, because the other thing I want to see is how many of those DNI hires that have just been recently made are still in those positions? Because I know Dick. that the, some companies where there were all this press about DNI uh, hires, and I know some of those people are no longer in those positions and it, in less than a year. So you know, we have to hold these com- corporations to task. If you're going to put it out there publicly, okay, we're going to watch you publicly. So anyway, now you get me all.
2: So now you're (laughs) getting high.
0: That's what it's about. That's
2: what it's about. Hey, Erica. Yeah. How would your um, philosophy that you just laid out, how successful have you been just in your experience having that uh, uh, philosophy come to fruition? To be
1: honest with you, I don't think it is, um, I don't think that I've always had this perspective not I, I don't think, I know, I haven't always had this perspective. I've always had the perspective of doing thoughtful marketing, but doing it with a lens of equity has not always been my MO, right? Mm-hmm. But it is something that I'm I'm very passionate about now. Um, and I, I can say I have been in organizations where the emotional intelligence is just as high as the, you know, the intelligence, just just smart people, creative people, and they're thoughtful, and the work that we've put out there has been impactful in a very positive way on a community. Um, but I've also been on the other side. You know, I've been in organizations, and we all know that the more senior you get in an organization, mm-hmm. sometimes the lonelier it can be. You know, and I've been in, and I've historically I've worked in media and entertainment, so you know, a diverse audience is is a huge support as the driver of the culture it's who the culture is serving, all of those things. And, you know, there's been times where um, you, as you get more and more senior, you start realizing that for some of these people, it is just purely, I don't think it's malicious. I just think it is just a blind spot. And I think 2020 (laughs) made that clear. Like how many people all of a sudden had their blind spot removed where many of us have been living this our entire lives. Like, I don't know about you all, but I got text messages from coworkers from, you know, 10 years ago, apologizing for something they did in a meeting 10 years ago (laughs) that I didn't even, (laughs) you know? So, um, so now I, I, I don't know, I say all that to say, like, I feel like now the window has been open. It's not gonna stay open. But well, as long as it's open, we have to all kind of take advantage of it. And so, this is the time where we can be honest and and you know try to push the needle a little bit more than maybe we have been able to in the past. So
2: yeah, Erica, you mentioned uh, the community, uh, how you like you have a passion to give back to the community. And right now, we have a lot of sisters from quote, from HBCUs that are getting high positions. I mean, just uh, uh, recently Louis Vuitton just uh, hired a Spellman sister to be head of their diverse and their international diverse and uh, I think you, you mentioned the term inclusion, uh, mm-hmm. uh, the par- uh, division of their company. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, and then you have CEOs Women being placed in CEO positions, presidents of colleges. Your thoughts and your perspective on that, and and we re, we we're talking about going forward and how impactful these sisters will be.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: What just, what are your thoughts on that?
1: On uh, on the opportunities
2: that are, are being that, afforded. that they that they can provide for the community. Oh,
1: yeah, no, I think. Um... Every time somebody gets in, it makes it hopefully it makes it a little easier for the next person. So I mean, I think it's great. Look, I it's funny. Uh, I said I was talking to a woman who was actually a white woman mm-hmm. about an opportunity that was potentially coming my way. And I felt the need to call out that uh, you know, but they called me because, you know, of my abilities, not because just because they want a black face in the in the room. Mm-hmm. And this woman straight up she told me, she was like who cares if they called you because they want a black face in the room? She was like, I'm in my, she has this amazing job. And she was like, I'm in my position because of me too. They wanted a woman. And so once, but now that I'm in here, I'm making sure a whole bunch of other women get in here. And so I feel like, again, it's a window. If we are getting these, I mean, mind you, everyone that's getting, you know, these big positions, they're deserving of it. They've done the work, no doubt. And so, the fact that they are finally getting their just do, I think, is amazing. I think, you know, the hope is that they continue, that they are empowered in those positions, right? And it's not just about a face, but they're empowered in those positions. And so they can help other people, you know, open the door. I, could, I mean,
2: because you mentioned they once you get those senior positions, it's lonely.
1: Yeah. But then what, but what's cool to your point is mm-hmm. that there are a lot of, like, if we went and looked at LinkedIn and see how many, like, Black, you know, people, men and women who have gotten new jobs, big positions over the past, you know, eight months.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It is the numbers are, are much higher, I would guess, than previous years. And oh. so hopefully it is not as lonely because there's a number of us that are getting these positions at the same time. And then hopefully we can, you know, kind of keep each other like as a herd, kind of bring more people in and keep keep each other in our position. So nobody, you know, loses their step and we can kind of move the
2: thing, move the ball forward. So, um, that question uh, had me thinking prior to this, in reading your bio and what you've accomplished, As uh, how has that affected, uh, and I guess you're gonna get into it when you get into your path, um, your gender and, and um, race, how's that played a role in your professional career in your entrepreneurial pursuits? Um, so,
1: look, I think if I'm honest, for a long time, I never thought it really played, it wasn't something I was conscious of, right? Mm-hmm. I would go into rooms, you know, I always felt like, you know, you would see my race before you see my gender kind of situation, but I never felt like it held me back. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't, you know, until, later in my career that I started like you know looking at things like wait was that because or wait did you really say that and that's when I started feeling it I wish sometimes I had the kind of blinders on I had when I was younger when I totally just did not think about it and I just went and I just moved you know um but the other the other flip side of that is I think that my gender, my race and my path, which was very non-traditional and every step along the way Mm -hmm. has made me, has aided in my superpowers, has made me special. Like from my day career, my daytime job and kind of being sometimes the only black person in the room or the only woman or the only person who went to an HBCU, right? that gives me a perspective that I can bring into a conversation that you know other folks don't have and then in my side hustle like with grits I'm the only female on the team right so I've been able to kind of put a female voice into things like where it's great because I have business partners that I you know are amazing and I trust and you know but there's sometimes where from a guy perspective in nightlife early in our early days, they would be like, we need to do this. And at, from a female perspective, I'm like, absolutely not. <laughs> like, <laughs>
0: we're not doing that, right? So it's just- Flash of I, cash is not viable, brother. We're not putting that sign up in the- <laughs> ex- whatever, yes,
1: whatever. <laughs> like there's just some things, you know, hey, I understand why you think that would be hot, but if, from a female perspective, I don't think it will translate that way. Um, so, you know, I think that my race and my gender has, and the fact that I am oftentimes, I have a minority perspective in the room and whatever it is, my background, whatever, that, has, that is aided in my superpower because I can always present something that maybe somebody else didn't think about. And that is my value, right? My if value is to well. open your eyes and to show you something that maybe you didn't think about.
2: And it's received well,
0: that's, well, that's a good set oh,
2: Go ahead, Lou. We were just talked about inclusion. So, um, when you have when you offer that insight, it's received well.
1: Yeah, I mean it. it depends on the room, right? Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, oftentimes, I think that again, if you and also if you present yourself as the as the person that not only has a different perspective but is um, is intelligent and is is trustworthy. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the emotional intelligence. Like I always believe like you have to meet people where they are. So I'm not going to go in and present the same way to every audience. Mm -hmm. And for me, when I present, I want to make sure that you see the human side of it. So I might talk about, you know, the football game coming up. I might, you know, get in a conversation about the World Cup whatever it is to create that kind of human dynamic that right. we, you and I actually have a lot in common, even oh, though I look different right. than you. Now, let me tell you a little bit more. Let mm-hmm. me explain a little bit more. Like that is the way, that's my MO. And that's the way that I try to allow mm-hmm. my ideas to be received.
0: Can you I think that's one of the things that black people often lack is that um, we don't often have the ability to get in any conversation. It's like you're talking about the world cup, you know, that kind of thing. A lot of black people will be looking at you with glazed eyes, but. You know in the workplace we're talking about the World Cup, it's like, oh, that can kind of get you kind of into the, yeah. the relaxed conversation, which makes it easier for you to be in a serious conversation. At least that's what I found.
1: Yeah.
0: Um but I like what you're talking about on superpower and it's kind of a segue into a question I had for you. Um because you know looking at the bio and that kind of thing, it everybody's got like their job and then their dream, right? How did you manage you know, a successful side hustle along with your day job for such a long time. Like, how did you make that happen, or is it just a superpower? No, <laughs> um, I
1: think part of it because everybody ain't got that. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm very uh, blessed. I told you, God, God's led my path every step of the way. Um, All the time. So, part of it is my side hustle was never hidden. I uh, I believe, like my if you create a business, it is like a child. Like I remember one day I woke up and I was like, I can't quit this. Like if I woke up today and said I don't ever want to do another party, this is before COVID, I couldn't do it because there were people that, you know, are that I, I'm accountable to, right? So mm-hmm. to me, it just got I got to a place where I was like, I whatever job I go into they need to know that I, that you're getting me and I'm doing this. So it was on my resume from day one. Oh, wow. right?
2: Okay, It was yeah. on my
1: resume. When we, when we go into the interview, you're, I'm telling you about my MBA and I'm telling you about grits and biscuits. Like you understand this is what, this is who I am.
2: Right?
0: Oh, and I guess it helps it. That like, that's not directly in conflict with what you normally do. It's just a, a, well, a thing that you do in addition to the, you know, to you me it it, was, it
1: it helped tell the story of of the skill set that I'm bringing to the table, right? Mm-hmm. So okay. I, yeah. for me, I'm fortunate, right? So I work in you know again media and entertainment. So in some ways, it's there could be seen it could be seen as a conflict,
0: but the other it's way, applicable skill set for sure. But it's applicable skill somebody
1: who has their their hand and pulse on culture and actually creates culture themselves. And so, what if they could do that for our clients? right? And could bring that into the work we do and make the work we do better. So, um, yeah, so it was always like front and center, you know? And so, and then I never had to hide, right? So if I had to say, I'm not going to be there on Friday because I have to fly to Chicago because we have grits and biscuits in Chicago. It was always like, cool, she gets her work done and she's building this other thing on the side. And we can talk about this other thing if we need to in meetings because we've got this person who, is a part of this other thing that's in culture. Like Mm -hmm. it was always a value. And even when we started it and I was in an existing job, in that case, I just told like my friends at work. And then eventually it got to my manager and my manager, who was this, you know, great guy, Indian guy from Australia was like, I want to come. And I'm like, cool. And he came and he saw it.
2: (laughs) It was cool. But once he
1: came and he saw it, He then became an advocate for it inside the company. So he started telling like the, you know, the C-suite people about there's this girl Erica on my team and she's got this thing. And then they came to me and was like, we're like, can you hire, can we hire your team to do a project for us? So, Uh, yeah. So it's just like, Mm. to me, the best thing is when you can be fully yourself and bring all parts of yourself to what you do, because you're going to spend a lot of time in that office. So why not like have all parts of you, Front and center. Not that you have to tie everything together, but I think working in places where they understood that I had this other business gave me the the space and leeway to do both things in the time in which I wanted to do them.
0: Speaking of which, that's that's excellent. Um, but we talk about you, what you do, superpower, all of that. Talk about grits and biscuits. I think we kind of skipped right over that. Yeah. We did. yeah. Um. Yeah, so Grits
1: is a uh, it's a DJ event. It was started uh, now over ten years ago. We started in July of two thousand and ten. Um, oh, wow! Myself and two friends, um, we were three Southerners living in Brooklyn. We we were all from the South. My business partners are actually brothers, so like blood brothers. So, well, just uh,
0: just for the record, North Carolina is technically not the South. But I'm gonna let you go ahead. What? We can talk about that Where later. Where is that? You can only be considered southern if your state is represented in the SEC, but go ahead. Yeah. Where are you I from? Said.
2: Memphis. <laughs> Tennessee. Tennessee. In Mississippi.
1: Which is what? Like <laughs> right. parallel to North Carolina to North Carolina? Yeah. So what do you so think? <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah.
0: We were you're, three you're, Southerners. You're, Atlantic Coast, you're not SEC, but go ahead. I didn't mean in a row. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> we're three Southerners <laughs> living in Brooklyn. And we thought, and we all actually went to HBCU. So I went to AT, one of my business partners went to FAM, and the other one went to Prairie View. And at the time in New York, most of the parties were, unless you were going to, you know, some of the Brooklyn DJ specific parties, most of the parties were, you know, bottle service, red velvet, you know, ropes. <laughs> VIP and you didn't hear a lot of Southern hip hop music in the city at the time. And so we were talking about, wouldn't it be cool if we played a party where it was only Southern hip hop music all night long in New York. Oh, man. And we were mm. like, and let's do it like That's we do it. it in college. So the first party, it was $5 the first hour, $10 afterwards, there's never a dress code, there's no bottle service, there's no VIP section, Come as you are, and let's just party. And we did little things like we handed out church fans because it reminded us (laughs) of the South, right? And the first party, we were just, you know, again, trying to throw something that would be fun and reminiscent, and, you know, really just thought it was going to be a one off party. And 500 people showed up, and a lot of them we didn't know. And they Dang. were asking us at the end of the night, well, "Where's the website? How can we find?" And all we did was create a really cool flyer that was emailed around. It was we emailed the flyer out, and then myself and one of my business partners, we were in a Bible study together. We announced it at our Bible study, and the first people that were in, at the party was were the Bible study the folks.
0: church folk. The church folk, listen to some Little John and East Side Boys. Exactly, first people <laughs> there. Right. Didn't Get up,
2: first one. I don't know if these guys have been the one. Your venues are pretty large. uh,
1: So the first one was, um, it was a venue called Southpaw in Brooklyn. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's no longer there. It's in Park Slope. Um, Mm -hmm. It's now a- Really?
2: In Park Slope?
1: In Park Slope. But it's now like a children's learning center. But um, that was the first one. But yeah, so we kind of grew from there and then we were like, well, what if we took this on the road? And so then we went to- a couple years or a year later, we went to D.C. and we did our, a party in D.C. And then that one went Wait, well. Did,
0: like, did you do one in Chicago?
1: We, Chicago's a big market for us. We're at the House of did Blues. Did you do the House of Blues? Yeah, we're always at House of Blues in Chicago.
0: Yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so, I'm, I know some people who have gone to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I might actually have gone to one because I think it was, a, it was a Grits and Biscuits before um, like a Erica Badu concert one time that I was at or something okay. like that.
1: Yeah, we've done Chicago for many years. That's one of our strongest markets. We were very fortunate because New York is such a transient city that people would come to the party and then they move and then they would email us and say, please bring the party here Mm because, you know, it would totally work in Chicago. And so that's how we kind of took it on the road based on where people would ask us. And then we were fortunate to get into a tour deal um, with Live Nation so we expanded. So at one point we were doing, we did one one year we did 30 shows. Yeah. um wow. and that's you know at that point is when we had to bring on a team because literally i was working during the week and every weekend almost every other weekend was going you know flying somewhere for a party so and you know that got old so yeah but now we're in um we're in about we've done like 18 different cities last year we had all you just planned cost for- of
0: your shows going on is, is it just like is it just like uh like uh, autopilot now you still have to go get your hands in the cake mix.
1: No, we, we've got a pretty, we've got a, we have a solid team and we, you know, we pretty much know how to produce it any place. You know, we had all these new things planned that we were going to do for our 10th anniversary last year that got squashed. So we'll have to celebrate that next year. Um, but, But yeah, so we, yeah, we've got a, we've got a really solid team and we've got certain markets that are, you know, just really kind of, solid markets for us and we also our fifth year we introduced the block party which is a daytime event so it's outdoors daytime and we have surprise performances so we've had everyone the block party we do every year in new york we've had everyone from the first one we had k camp and trina and waka Flocka, and you know we've had t.i we've had uncle luke we've had jeezy we've had bun b we've had trick daddy like We've had juvenile. So that's always fun. All the Southern
2: superstars.
1: Yeah. Also, everyone representing the South. And it's always fun because we don't announce the artist. So literally, it's like you're at a DJ, you're at a Grits and Biscuits party just outdoors on a beautiful day, and different DJs are playing. And then all of a sudden, you know, you'll hear one of your favorite songs, and the artist comes out and does a whole set. So, so like, how
0: bad has COVID set you you guys back? Or is it like, you know, you'll, you'll be back when you get back?
1: Yeah, so we have not had a party. Our last party was uh, March 6th in LA, um, wow. 2020. So we haven't done anything virtual. Um, again, we had all these plans. For Why them. not?
0: Why not? That, it's, it's too hard to monetize if you don't want to get in that hokey ass zone shit.
1: No, it's, no more, to um, <laughs> it's more that yeah. our, our events um, feature a DJ and an MC, and our DJ and mm-hmm. MC are not in the same state. And so kind of to your point about the Zoom stuff, like we just, we're just very, until we can make sure that we have it technically sound and that everything is like, we'll give you the same energy and vibe of a party. We, you know, decided not to do it. But what we did do was we took some of the money that we had uh, put aside for our anniversary events. And we created a fund last year called the Kinfolks Fund. And so uh, all of that from March until the end of the summer last year, we invited our supporters to nominate people from their community that had been adversely affected by COVID. And then oh, wow. the committee, and every week we chose people and we sent out gift cards up to $500. And so we gave away like, uh, it was like $20,000 just last year, just in support of awesome. the people who had supported us because you know we wouldn't have made it 10 years without them. And so yeah, you know, kind of all of us pretty hard.
2: Is your, is your competition like the people that do like one music festival? Um,
1: I don't. I I wouldn't say. I mean, I think if you if you look at articles, most people will look at say that our you uh, you guess it, competition. your concept is a little different. Well, it's more. There's there's other traveling parties, right? So trap karaoke travels, Henny uh, mm-hmm. Palooza or Duce Palooza, which was the name. The name changed. Uh, colors like these are all parties that um I think serve the same community and travel um, so they're not necessarily music festivals on that scale our block party is more of a festival vibe um, but it's still not you know multi-day kind of event in the way a one music festival is
0: Um, if you took like a city like Chicago like on a typical Friday afternoon Friday night there's not an upscale type thing like that here So when I remember, now that I'm thinking, when Grits and Biscuits was here, everybody was like, yeah, we're going to Grits and Biscuits. And Chicago's a big city, but it's like a small town. And there's just like not a lot to to do for affluent black people. So, um, and I think Indianapolis and Charlotte and a lot of cities outside of Atlanta and maybe D.C., obviously L.A. and New York got their own thing, but outside of those areas, I think most of these cities have a drought in that space that y'all are feeling probably quite magnificently.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, now with more traveling parties, I think, they're all kind of tapping into that same audience, same um, which is good. But to your point, like they, there isn't a nightly event. So um, Charlotte is a huge market for us. Chicago is a huge market for us. Indy has grown into a huge market for us.
2: Oh, yeah. um, mm-hmm.
1: You know, we've we've even done the party in the south. But it's funny because we, we did it in New Orleans and we found out that it only really works for us in New Orleans during Essence Festival. We didn't have a lot of success. <laughs> when it wasn't Essence Festival. Right. But, you know, essence, half the people there don't live in New Orleans, you know, so mm-hmm. you're kind of mm-hmm. because our brand travels, people who come in town have heard of it from when it traveled, you know, through their marketing. Like, yeah, 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 we're doing that. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, it's it's been interesting. It's been fun. Like it's totally. I mean, it's you know, it's it's just something that's been organic in the growth. And the one thing we did after that first party when, uh, again, we didn't expect there to be a second party, we were just doing it for fun, is we got together and we were like, okay, we need to do a second one, but before we go any further, we need to write down our values. And I think because we did that is one of the reasons we've had the success we've had for 10 years, because we are really just giving you this, it's a, a party people outgrow and new people come into it. But if you-, you say they outgrow it? Oh yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, with age, yeah, it makes sense. But you, you new blood always coming in.
1: Yeah, you age yeah. out of it. Some people. So do. Wait, does that
0: mean? Wait, does that mean? No, I no, you're welcome. you're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> people <don't>. <laughs> <laughs> You're still
1: welcome, and it's also funny because each, uh, each, as you would imagine, each city has a different crowd. Like Chicago is the only city I know where people come to grits as couples on dates. Like, they don't do that in uh, like other cities. Um,
0: I guarantee you this, it's a lot of it's a lot of date culture up here but if you see a you see somebody in chicago out lady he loved it, bro. for bro <laughs> yeah, He's but, it, him, yeah. Even, uh,
1: but it's uh but because we we set our values from the beginning no matter where you go hopefully you will get the same vibe right hopefully right. the party and what we're offering
0: is exactly the same so Erica. Subconscious now, man. I'm like, dude, when am I
2: like the old dude in the club? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm, Erica, yeah. is it is it like a partnership when you go to these cities? Do you partner up with promoters or organizations, sponsorships? What what is how how do you guys, what's your model for that? Or is it just you guys have just created a following in those particular cities and you guys do your own promoting, marketing? Uh
1: Yeah, we do a lot of our own uh, promotions, but in some markets we have, we've, uh, you know, if it's a new market we're going into and we don't know it as well, or we don't know how to tap into the right audience, you know, Mm -hmm. our traditional audience, we'll, you know, partner with a local promoter. But for the most part, most of the city, I mean, we've been doing it for 10 years. So most of the cities that um, we've been in before, Um, but it's interesting because sometimes you know we've had cities where first you know four parties it's packed and then all of a sudden it just loses the momentum in that city you know mm-hmm. where we have other cities where the first four it's a slow build and then it just once it gets to a certain level like it's just you know guaranteed every time we go so mm-hmm. you know we have to be um you know kind of keep our eyes on it, tracking that as well to kind of figure out what how to get the most out of it
2: you yeah know. And I'm not trying to figure out your model, but I was no, just no, correct. I can't tell. So, so the, road, <laughs> the, the schedule of uh, when you go to those cities, is it like, I mean, you, you mentioned a couple, a lot of cities. Is it a schedule you're on where you bring it back or is it just something on a quarterly basis or every other? Uh,
1: certain, some markets will hit multiple times a year and other markets we only hit once a year. So it really just depends on our following in the market. Um, some markets, you know, we tried to do maybe once or twice a year. And then, like, we'll go, we'll go. And then the next time we show up, we, like, people are in our face in the DJ booth, like, when you coming back, when you coming back. And so, um, you know, so then we'll, we'll switch things up a little bit. But, and then we also sometimes we'll just, we've, in the past, we've aligned ourselves with events where we know our audience will be. So if National Black NBA is taking place. In a city that we normally don't go to, we'll go to that city because we know we can tap into the national black NBA audience. Mm-hmm. So just kind of.
0: You just uh, drop that ad over there and just, you know, see so count very how you guys operate. Yeah, yeah right. I like that.
1: Try, try. Yeah. I mean, again, yeah. it's been, um, you know, it's been 10 years. So a lot of it, some of it is muscle memory at this point. But I I'm very curious to see what all of, you know, the live event space will look like coming out of COVID, you know, because um, nobody planned for this, you
0: know, nobody. Yeah, it's a 100-year it's a event, but it's um it's a psychological thing, and we got a lot of, you know, different stuff that we got to deal with in it, you know what I'm saying? The vaccine is going to help, I think, but I mean, right now, and I was a, you know, I was a bar fly, you know, got my seat in the bar and a little concrete slab in front of it with my name on it. That was that dude. I can't imagine just sitting in a bar like I used to.
2: Yeah. Or
0: being yes. in a space where people are touching me. You know what I'm saying? Like tight in a spot. I can't imagine that. So I don't know, you know, when we're gonna get back to that. But you know, we'll see. Agreed. You know, once we get some confident leadership in the in the White House. But um hey, you know, we just want to thank you for coming on Like, we're about to uh, take it in a different direction. I don't think we're going. <laughs> <laughs> but I uh, just want to say thanks for your time. We appreciate you. And uh, your story is fantastic. And, you know, I, I can't wait. Next time y'all can get back to and Biscuits, I'm going to get a mask, and I'm going to brave the uh, crowds. i will make sure I'm going to come back out there. And I'm going to brave have- the IP section.
1: We're not coming back until it's safe. So... You know, you know, with with it, okay. Good yeah, job. it's not right. worth it. It's not worth it for us. So when it's safe,
2: core values. <laughs>
1: you are all welcome. We would love to have you. And uh yeah.
2: Man, all y'all we, should come to Atlanta.
1: We yeah, we were just in Atlanta. We were in Atlanta. Well, not just in it. One mm-hmm. of the last parties we did were in Atlanta. We we go to uh, Buckhead Theater
2: yeah. in Atlanta. Okay. Oh, you yeah. yeah. mm-hmm. I did. I remember, I remember seeing yeah. that.
1: I we did. used to be at um, the one you came to, Lou, was at um, Center Southwest Stage. Street. Yeah,
2: Center Stage. You guys were you, you uh, well, that club at Center Stage. The
1: loft. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And now we're I at Bucket theater. Yeah, I didn't even know it was that, uh, you know, but that was one of them nights. <laughs> yeah. well, I
1: hope you had a good time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Right.
1: Well, guys, we're going really I really appreciate the invitation, and uh, oh, we appreciate you, know, you. It was great chatting with you all. This was fun for me as well, and uh, I wish you all the best with this. Uh, I love, you know, everything I've seen so far, and you know, we might have to get us an Aggie podcast to coincide.
0: Up, guys, up? <laughs> uh, speaking of which, since we don't yet have an Aggie <laughs> podcast. Go check out the House94.com, the House94 Podcast, IG, Twitter, YouTube, Spotify, Apple, all of that. Like, subscribe, give us your feedback, tell us what you want to hear about, and also, you know, tell us how much you love us. So, until next time, we out. Peace.